We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back on the Yin's No Ball podcast with our penultimate, maybe, preview of a game of a Steelers game this season. Uh, unless they make the playoffs, of course, <laughs> we will preview that game uh, if it does indeed happen. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about Steelers and Seahawks today on this uh, podcast in a a very important game, I think, Brad, in Steeler lore. If they lose this game and they lose next week to Baltimore, obviously, if they lose this game, there's probably less certainty in my mind about like what direction the team goes. But I don't feel certain that they'll go in another direction either. If they win this game and Baltimore is in position to get the one seed as you expect and they don't play their starters, the Steelers could very easily be in line for a playoff game. This game is a big swing game, obviously, depending on what happens with Baltimore. Um, but it feels like a very big swing game and a very big game that we could trace back in Steelers lore if the team does indeed go another direction if they fail in these next two games. You keep saying people call you a homer, but you keep saying playoff game. John, they're going to get hot. They're going to get on a run. They're going to make it to the AFC championship game. Like have, have some faith on our boys. You know, <laughs> can you think of a more unlikely run? No, I, I genuinely cannot. I, I'm trying to think of like some of the worst teams to advance far in the playoffs. The Titans yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. Made it to the championship game, I believe. But they were yep. so much better than this Steelers team. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure if I went back and looked, I mean, people will criticize that Bears team that Rex grows, but they they had an unbelievable defense. They had one of the best defense yeah. of all time. Like, yeah, yeah. And it was a different era of play, and you could, can't compare that. Um, you know, people would point to Bulls and Philly winning, but the team was amazing. You know, so you can't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a team that lost before they got there. There was a year, the Marshawn Lynch beast mode run. That Seattle team beat the Saints. And they were below 500, I believe, going into the playoffs. That was probably one of the worst teams to even win a game. I don't think they went beyond that. Was that the No, year? they lost to uh, – it wasn't San Fran. Who was it? Was it Minnesota? Uh, it. I think it was Minnesota. I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where I pulled that in from, but <laughs> if that is even right. But Feels yeah, right. That, that was a pretty – that wasn't a great team, I would say. No, no. And then, yeah, obviously, New Orleans was – that was a pretty good New Orleans year too, so. Yeah. That uh, was a pretty big upset. Uh, although I will say, I mean, that team had Matt Hasselbeck and Marshawn Lynch, and I'm sure they're like just right there. Forget it. Like it's clearly this. <laughs> yeah, this Steelers team would be well. T.J. Yates won a playoff game, didn't he? At one point for the well, remember the remember the Houston game where uh, what was it? Connor Cook. Well, Connor Cook played for the Raiders because Derek mm-hmm. Carr got hurt, and then 
the Texas quarterback got hurt. So you had like JJ Watt taking direct snaps to the goal line. Like that that's an all-timer, too. <laughs> that was an insane game. I think Clowney had a great game. And that was when he everybody was like, he is him now. Like this is the game. And then he, you know, did what he's done his whole career, which is be fine, but not that guy. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was probably one. Whoever won that game. And I don't think it was the Raiders. I'm pretty sure that was Texans. The... I believe no Texans won. Connor Cook had like an all time stat line. And the funny thing too is Connor Cook had like three NFL starts, and like one one of them was a playoff game. Yeah, that's right. I, he didn't last long at all in the league. No. Um, but I, but I'm pretty sure Yates won one. So that would probably be one of the. I mean, just I, mean, I haven't looked at that team obviously, but I, I would think that was probably one of the worst teams to advance at all. But they, yeah. the opponent they played was terrible too. So there's just a the lot. Bears of... one. Yeah, the Bears one's a good shout. We we had an exercise. We were looking at the worst PFF passing grades to win games. This was pre-playoffs, just all games. And Rex Grossman had like six of the worst ten. <laughs> like it was like because it was just the defense he played with were so good that they like wow. he would have like a twenty-six passing grade with like five turnover-worthy plays, three interceptions, and a fumble, and they would win like ten-six. Um, and I think there was one of the playoff wins was one of the games. Uh, so yeah, that, that's probably your best answer. But like you said, different era of football and also like a legitimate all-time defense, which, you know, Pittsburgh has, has talent. They're not top to bottom as good as, as those units were. Oh, heck no. Yeah. So I can't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we would be, t- I mean, the bad Bears team went to the Super Bowl. So once you get that far, it's like, okay, you weren't that bad of a team, but like even to win a game, there's been some bad teams that have won a playoff game, I would say, um, and advance no further. Um, and I would say, yeah, that was probably that, that Seahawks team that won that game against the saints. And then I would say that Texans team, although the opponent they beat was, was pretty bad, um, was one as well. But anyway, speaking of the Seahawks, uh, that's who the Steelers play this week. They have had a Seahawks season, right? Very weird season. They had lost four in a row, uh, before they've won their last two. Now they had, Pulled an eagle, a victory over the Eagles. They looked like their season was done. They had lost, like I said, those four in a row, all to good teams. They were playing Philly. Drew Locke was starting a quarterback. They honestly didn't look very good throughout the game, but Philly couldn't pull away. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, boom, 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 they're down the field and they win the game. And it's like, whoa, like <laughs> I just was watching the game and I just, it was one of those games you just don't really, you feel like it's going to be an ugly Eagles win. And that's just, there's no way. Sucks. And then they stole it. And then they get, and they beat the Titans in a close one. With Geno Smith back. This is not, and that took a game winning drive too, by the way. This is not a great football team. Seattle, eight and seven. They have their weaknesses. It should be noted Geno Smith did miss one of those losses, two of those losses. I forget. Did he play? He, missed, you know, he played in the Cowboys game. He lost yeah. the, the, the 49ers loss. He did not play in. So this is pretty talent wise, I'd say it's pretty evenly matched. But the Seahawks to me are just a better coach team with a better culture, better vibes kind of around the organization. And most importantly, a huge advantage at quarterback of Geno Smith is back and healthy. And he looked pretty good leading that game when he drive last week. He did. He did. Yeah. Titans, you'd probably like to see more like from the Seahawks offense uh, against the Titans defense. That is, you know, mm-hmm. bottom of the NFL and a bunch of coverage metrics, particularly at, at receivers lined up out wide. They're the worst in the NFL in like every category, uh, receptions, receiving yards, EPA numbers, success rate, et cetera. Um, and you didn't see a ton from, I think JSN had a good game. You didn't see a ton from DK outside of like housing or another kind of like, like slant type play. Um, uh, but, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, there's talent sprinkled around. I think their issue is there's just still like pretty gaping holes at certain spots as well. So they're not a complete team right now. They're, they're, you know, bouncing back, all this draft capital, all these early round picks, there's flashes. 
Um, I just think trench-wise, there's weaknesses on both sides of the ball. And that you can pick on their secondary, um, even with some some good young talent. Like Witherspoon might not play in this game. I'm not really sure. Even when he was playing, as awesome as he is near the line of scrimmage, he's been a guy that teams have been throwing at for most of the year. Yeah, no doubt. They don't have you – know, everybody's gotten hyped about Witherspoon and hyped about Tariq Woolen, and they can be good players. Woolen, I think at one point this year, actually got sat down for a little bit, but I believe he's back in there playing now. They've played a bunch of different guys at corner this season. Artie Burns was out there getting a dumb penalty. The Fort Steeler fans uh, will note um, – was that our – Am I right about that? Yeah, Artie Burns was out there. He was yep. the one that got the dumb penalty, yeah. I remember being so shocked that Artie Burns was even in the league still. I was like, what? I mean, you know that from being a Bears fan too. But he got out, was out there, got a dumb penalty on third down to give the Titans a new set of downs near the end of that game. So he was out there playing. So this has been a very strange season defensively for Seattle. Bobby Wagner <laughs> is the greatest debate right now, PFF. Is Bobby Wagner actually good? Because you guys still have him graded as one of the top linebackers. All the Seattle people can't stand Bobby Wagner, and they think he's totally washed, and they want him gone, all the beat writers and stuff. But I don't watch him enough to know, like, really where the, like, truth lies. But obviously the coverage stuff I know has fallen off, and I think you guys agree with that too. Something has fallen off. The big thing there was, I think it's the biggest issue we have in all – if you guys ask me like, one facet that's an issue, it's – Linebacker coverage grades are more right now dictated on what you're asked to do than anything else. And so they were not asking to do anything. It was like Jordan Brooks is our coverage backer. Bobby, you're just going to like spot drop and just like don't screw that up. Um, I do think he's been good sideline to sideline though. Like he still is. He's probably top five in tackles in the NFL. And again, tackles aren't a good metric, but like I think he's been solid against the run. But yes, his coverage grade has now kind of fallen off recently. But even when it was good, it was because he was just like – we don't downgrade you if you do your job right, but your job is to do nothing. And that's kind of, that's what it was. Hold on a second. Artie Burns is playing in the slot. Is that right? I'm so- I guess for for Witherspoon, I suppose. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know I'm changing topics, but this is truly the first I have seen. I don't think he played a snap in the slot in Pittsburgh. I never. Not for Chicago either. Or what do oh, you go after? This is crazy. Seattle. Yeah, that I is never crazy. would have thought of him as a slot. He's played there a couple of times this year. Wow. I am literally shocked. I just never thought this guy would ever line up in the slot. Like, never played there in 2022. I'm looking to see just if – and obviously this depends on if Witherspoon plays one snap there in 21. This is crazy. I Started I, the last two weeks. Uh, I guess it helps Philly, you know. I mean, Devontae will kick inside there, but, like, Philly doesn't really have a slot receiver – Tennessee doesn't have any receivers, so he's kind of been hidden probably the last two weeks. Um, but yeah, and those are and he started week three against Carolina. Everything else is kind of filling in um, as a reserve. Yeah. But but yeah, so looks like we got fifty snaps in the slot in his career before. That's wild. This past week where he played thirty eight, and the week before fifty nine snaps in the yeah. slot, and yeah. back in week three sixty two snaps, which I just completely missed that. That's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know, you know, just in general, defensively, obviously, if Witherspoon's out there, they're at their best, but they have kind of gone through it in the secondary a little bit this year. Michael Jackson's been a guy that they've gone back to now at this point. Um, Tariq Woolen is starting at the other corner spot. Trey Brown plays as well as an outside corner. Um, They're kind of doing the Lions thing where they're like, the Lions are like, screw it, we don't, like, we're just playing... uh, What's some faces? Um, they're playing uh, the guy I've never heard of either. No, I heard uh, heard of one oh, of them. Jerry before. Jacobs or who? They're no, they benched Jerry Jacobs, and now they're just or... playing. What's that? If they out to Melifonwu or who, no, who is it now? Well, Melifonwu's played safety for them. Yeah, Will Harris so. is playing sl- backup slot for them. They've got K 
Kindle Vildor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bears legend. Bears legend Kindle Vildor. Yep. Splitting time with a guy I had never heard of. And he's played the last couple weeks. I'm going to say his name on this pod so that he gets the shout out he deserves. Yeah, give him some shine. I don't think his play has been very good. But um, Let's see. uh, Khalil Dorsey. Yeah, never heard heard of him in my life. Northern Arizona Lumberjacks. He had played like 15 snaps in his career. I just wrote about it recently. Anyway, they're like splitting time at the other corner spot opposite Cam Sutton. And that's kind of what Seattle seems like to do right now with Michael Jackson and um and uh with Michael Jackson and and yeah and Trey Brown. So we'll see. Obviously, if Artie Burns is out there, you know, I don't even know if he's played well. I just saw him get the dumb penalty at the end of the game and I was like, wait, what? Artie Burns? <laughs> I was like, he's still playing. So guys that can be taken advantage of Seattle's kind of had this thing right where you can get big plays on them and they get big plays on you. And it's kind of like, you know, the Dallas game is a microcosm kind of of how it goes for them. I feel like where you can create splash plays, but they're going to get some on you too. And this seems like a matchup where Steelers have been hitting some splash plays recently, a little bit better since they fired Canada. And no doubt Seattle can do it to the Steelers and the Steelers give them up like crazy. So this could be kind of a, kind of a Texans bucks kind of vibe, like where nobody really thinks about the game going into the week, but then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, this game was pretty good. Like this game was pretty now can the Steelers offense get out of their way? Will their quarterback play suffice? You know, those are Steelers probably have bigger questions and much more variance to this. They could get shut out and I don't think we would be surprised, uh, but there is potential there for this to be a little bit of an explosive game. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. I think both teams can't hit on explosives here. Um, you know, on the back end for Seattle, I mean, they, they kind of have finally benched Jamal Adams, which just had to be done. But I feel like when I watch Quandre Diggs, he, it's weird. Like, he's always been, I feel like, a super solid player. He's taking weird pursuit angles and just, like, outright missed on tackles um, or even in cover sometimes, like, not triggering as early as he as he did as kind of that deep third guy. Um, you know, they're still way up there in cover three, and it's not quite the same system. They play a ton of quarters and rotate coverage and do different things with Clint Hurt. It's not just like the classic Seattle cover three, um, but that is still a lot of what they do. Um, and, and I don't know, Diggs just hasn't really been the same guy to me either. So you definitely can. And then like with, you know, for example, Tariq Wollen, he's awesome, but I think he tries to use his long speed too often and like bait throws and like on double moves, like you can beat him deep because sometimes, sometimes I think he does it too often. Um, so yeah, I, this is going to get big game. I think of explosives for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just want to pause. I like when we go down these rabbit trails sometimes for us. And now we've done it a couple of times. I know. Yeah. But Jamal Adams trade, is it like, where does this rank in the worst trades you've seen in the last 10 years? And this is obviously in the spurs of 
Russell Wilson being benched in the reports yesterday. I think finally, I forget who had the final report after a bunch of stuff came out throughout the day. You and I were texting even after our show about it. It finally came out. The Broncos have actually told like Russell Wilson that they're that they're going to move on from him at the end of the year. Like that's going to happen. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, no surprise there. If you can do it, you got to do it. There's no way like Sean Payne wants to put up with the way that Russell Wilson tries to play quarterback. Um, so that part makes complete sense to me. However, that trade, looking back on it, also a disaster. Was the Jamal Adams one more like from a process standpoint? What was that's where worse? I was going to go. Yeah. That's where I was going to go. Is look at least with Russ, you're trading for a quarterback. Yeah, like trading two firsts and a third for a safety for a box safety. And I get like it's diminutive. Like he obviously was a great player at LSU. He could do a lot of different things. It's still an insane process move. Like a two first pick package should, arguably should just be for like quarterbacks, receivers, tackles, and edges. And even those like. A lot of people would tell you, like, you shouldn't trade two first for anything but a quarterback. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the worst trades for sure of the last decade. And, and again, not even looking at results, which have been as bad as humanly possible. Uh, the process was insane as well. Yeah, I don't see – like, to, there's no real defense for that. Whereas, like, now th- there's one thing in Wilson against Wilson was like, okay – he had already had a down year. So you kind of knew that he was falling off that. That part is a little bit sketch. Like when you look at it from Denver standpoint, could you have envisioned it being this bad? I was very down on the Wilson trade. The Wilson trade was bad. Then the extension also, how do you factor that into against like the actual trade itself? Do you group them together when you evaluate it? That is pretty interesting. I might have to ask all of these questions. This is, but it is interesting because there was like no upside. Like they lost the trade. Like Russell Wilson, hypothetically, let's say captures the magic for a run and they may like if it happened like okay there was at least upside that like he's done it before he's made a super bowl he's won a super bowl like there's no way jamal adams is going to be worth two first round picks like he even had to win multiple defensive players in the year. i don't like two first round picks in the third round pick there's just no way like it's just it was a lose from the start and there was just no way to win it and so in some ways the process for the for seattle making that trade was even worse than the process for getting most now you can argue because of the cap and everything with Wilson being a quarterback, that that trade will be more detrimental long-term where Seattle, you know, has been fine and they can just kind of bench him when you get the quarterback wrong, it derails you. So I guess that part of it could be considered too, but it's a pretty interesting discussion because of how that Seattle trade was just so such a disaster. Yeah. It's also a further rabbit hole of like, it's because Seattle hasn't learned the lesson because it kind of just happened this deadline with Leonard Williams. But when you make a trade, it's not quite the same. His was a second and a fifth round pick, but making these blockbuster trades and not having an extension agreed to as part of the trade is just bad process. Like it just simply is bad process. And like you have an AJ Brown example for, you know, where he then is cheaper than every other receiver in his draft class that all got extended around the same time, even though the Eagles gave him a ton of leverage by moving a first round pick for him. Um, yeah. So like you also sat on it with, with Jamal, he becomes the highest paid safety until what was it? Minka passed him up a, a couple months later, um, maybe a year later, whatever. But then they do the same thing. They trade for a guy who's been franchise tagged twice, uh, you know, and Leonard Williams, who's been like been good for them. We'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, they just the Russell win kind of gives them a lot of leeway and flexibility to do a whole lot. But they're going to end up giving a giving up like a top 50 pick potentially, um, you know, for for half a season of a 29 year old twice franchise tagged defensive tackle. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um Okay, so uh, Julian Love and Quandre Diggs are your safeties. Actually, a pretty good safety duo. Julian Love's actually played pretty well all year, and they finally just were like, yeah, we're going to start the guy that is better rather than the guy that makes more money. And so 
They have actually a really talented secondary that may be kind of finding themselves if they can get Witherspoon back and healthy. He's not really been consistently healthy throughout his rookie season, which is something to monitor just given his size and the physical style of play that he has just moving forward is this may be something to, to flag a little bit, but overall you feel decent about the town in the secondary for sure. They are still capable of giving up big plays. There's been lapses for pretty much all these guys. They all can be a little bit high variance players, you know, digs, the splash plays are probably what's defined him more than anything. And some people call him a very underrated player at the position. I, I kind of think because of the playmaking that I, I can kind of agree with those people. However, there is a downside with him too, and that he will give up plays as well. I don't think that's happened as much this year from what I've seen. I'm just kind of perusing the numbers and seeing like it seems like he's been a pretty reliable player for them uh, this season. But yeah, I I I honestly like Seattle secondary, and I, I I from a talent perspective. But right now they're still quite not there maturity wise, and then the injuries haven't helped either. Yeah, no, I think that that's the best way to put it. Like I was saying earlier, you can't pick on them, but it's not that I don't think they're talented players. Um, you know, I think it's. A, there's still some occasional, you'll see miscommunications. You'll see guys yelling, yelling at each other post-snap, even on the All-22. And then also, like, yeah, like when they lost Uchenna and Wosu, like they're not a very good pass rush unit. They're, they're okay. Boye Mafes had a second-year breakout and I think is a pretty good player. Uh, Second-rounder from Minnesota last year. Pat on the back. I was I was higher on than, than most. Um, and, uh, and and he didn't do anything last year and then kind of broke out. But, but yeah, like they don't, they don't consistently get home. Uh, Draymond Jones was their big free agent acquisition. He's been okay. Um, he's a good interior pass rusher, not very good against the run. That's why Denver let him go. Uh, and that's basically been the, the the story again this year. So, yeah, I mean, Leonard Williams does fit. I, I think he kind of comes in as like that, like five tech D end, like good run defender, can get upfield and get pressure. He's been having his best pass rush seasons the last couple of years. Um, it's just, yeah, they're, they're average up front. And I think when they don't get home, quarterbacks, uh, so, something comes open uh, and, and quarterbacks are able to throw on them. Yeah, right. they're near the top of the league, at least in explosive plays allowed this season, especially in the past game, but they'll also give them up in the run game pretty readily. I think uh, as of two weeks, maybe this is a little outdated, two weeks ago they were, I think, like, I don't know, seventh worst uh, in the league in explosive plays allowed, and they weren't very far behind the leaders either in the league. So uh, that's 20 plus uh, pass yard plays and uh, thir- and 10 plus rushes uh, this season. So they definitely have the ability to be leaky. No question about it. Um, they are kind of a Steelers esque when the Steelers were maybe a little bit more talented, a little better quarterback and that they can any given week, you're not quite sure what you're going to get. Like they can battle the Titans down to the wire. They can, you know, give the Cowboys a run for their money. They can upset teams like Philadelphia. Like you're really not quite sure what you're going to get drive to drive down to down they are a little bit of a high variance team um just in general but i like their secondary i do think you can run on this team um you were talking about the pass rush a little bit was boy mafe who you said you were higher on the most coming to the draft yeah i loved boy mafe coming out of Let's minnesota go. he's like a tree trunk he's like but he's like bursty and like a little bendier on the edge he seemed to me maybe in more of like a typecast like dpr but they've actually been playing him a ton now since and wosu went down um i think he's like effort is how he wins against the run, but really, like he, he's a good he's a good pass rusher. But yeah, no, I remember I thought he was like a fringe late first, and everyone's like, "You're insane!" And you know, it's 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 early, but uh, he's been fun. You and I saw it very similarly, my friend. I was a big boy mafe fan. Yes, uh, he was edge four for me. Uh, was it Hutch and Thibodeau and uh, maybe he was three? Who else was in that? Um, Hutch, Thibodeau, uh, obviously Trevon Walker. I had Boy Mafe ahead of Trayvon Walker for sure. Um, gotcha. There you go. Yeah. So I don't know who else would have been third. I'm looking at the class right now real quick. Yeah. 
I, I, maybe it was Mafia that I had third. I, I can't remember right now um, who it was. But Let's see here. We got Trayvon, Hutch, Thibodeau, and then George Karloftis was in that class. No, thanks. Buc Buccaneers legend Logan Hall, your guy. No, he wasn't an edge uh, for me, but yeah. Arnold, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I had him interior too. Arnold Ebichetti, maybe, from Penn State. No, maybe it was my favorite third. There you go. There you go. Josh Pascal from Kentucky. No. Sam Williams, uh, the Cowboy. Where'd mm -hmm. he go? Ole Miss. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that. that's probably it. I, I'm, I'm doubting you had like Alex Wright, who's the next. Oh, you know it was? I had Jermaine Johnson third. That's who it was. Oh, I skipped him, I guess. Yeah, my bad, yeah. my bad. Yeah. I had Jermaine yeah, Johnson yeah. third, and I had Boy Mafe fourth, and he was, yeah, high second-round grade for me, which is, is what most people would have graded in the first round, but I only have, like, 10 first-round grades every year. But, yeah. <laughs> so you one that, of those yeah. guys? What's that? You're one of those guys that just only um, – yeah, it's only a class, like, a dozen first-round grades? Yeah, yeah. That's a real I'm scout. A... That's how you know you're you're legit when you're one of those guys. <laughs> hey, I said this is how the NFL evaluates. I was like, cool, like, that seems like a good way to evaluate. Like, it, reality is, like, if – you're going to call a first round player like it, you know, whatever you're going to describe like a first round player to me, it's not like one of the guys just go in the top 32, but it's a caliber of player. That's how I want to describe, be describing it. So that's how I do it. But yes, uh, I was a big fan of Boy Mafia. He is dangerous overall. I don't think anybody would call this the most ferocious pass rush in the league, but like you said, it's just gotten better. Like they've got Leonard Williams in here. Like they, they've got the Draymond Jones they acquired. And I don't know that I would have, done that move and i don't know that i would have paid draymond jones or anything i don't think he's that type of player but no doubt he is a player that will work against the uh, against the pass um and can and can threaten so they have kind of a bunch of guys this was the worst pass rush in the league probably even last year maybe they were pretty awful and they've kind of developed mafe and it hasn't even been a daryl taylor emergence which kind of a lot of people thought it would be and that's not really been the case um so far this season but they just have a bunch of guys and they can be definitely a threat in that capacity. So uh, not a team you can sleep on up front, although I believe, and I'll check these numbers, I don't think they're near the top of the league in a lot of categories defensively, but uh, definitely a group that can be opportunistic when the time is right. And Mafe is the guy, especially because if I believe Mafe is mostly rushing off the right side, I think. And so Dan Moore could have his hands full there as he, as he really does every week that he plays, but <laughs> But yes. No, no, they they really are. It's all about opportunity where like just like I guess to put stats behind it, like they're 26th in EPA per play allowed and bottom 10 in success rate. But then they're seventh in tackles for loss or no gain. They're up there and in, in turn some turnover metrics like, yeah, it's it's really they're trying to flip the field, create create, I don't know, explosives for the defense, whatever, uh, create chaos and wreak havoc and, and send Witherspoon on nickel blitzes and, and do various things. Like you said, it is a platoon approach. I think on the interior and um, on the edge. One guy would shout out too, just because I think it's fascinating. Like I thought Jaron Reed was like basically done. Um, Jaron Reed's been awesome for them this year. Like if, if you throw on the film and I, I was doing, cause I always review the free agents and like, I'm, I'm doing it to watch Draymond Jones and like Jaron Reed's been flashing. Like he's, he's been good all year. Uh, but anyway, yes, yeah, so they kind of just rotate bodies and, and it's been, yeah, very boomer bust. And Jaron Reed probably epitomizes that more than anybody. When he's wanted to yeah. be good, it feels like he's always kind of been good throughout his career. And then when he was just sick of where he was or he didn't want to play anymore, like he just, he'd stop being good. So, uh, very like interesting. Jaron Reed, Quentin Jefferson type, type mold. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Was the Albert Hainsworth types. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it is a pretty deep group. I mean, I, even honestly, the numbers are even better kind of than I thought. Like they have been, they are sixth in sacks um, this season and they're ninth in pressure rate uh, per pro football reference um, at least. And so, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a unit 
you've got to have your you got to have uh, be prepared up front to face. They don't blitz a ton, but they will blitz uh, a little bit. Um, they're in the bottom ten in the league in blitz rate, but they will uh, still send it a bit. Everybody's kind of once you get past the top, the out the Wink Martindale teams, you know the the, the Wink Martindale and the um, Brian Flores teams. You got a lot of teams that are pretty close together in blitz percentage at least. So yeah, um, definitely a defense that I feel like. Uh, at any given week can definitely cause you some issues. Don't think it's one that you're going to just be able to throttle if you're Pittsburgh, like you did last week with Cincinnati and the struggles that they're having. Um, so interesting unit for sure. Anything you like to be able to take advantage of, of with the Seattle struggles with or things you've noticed or you guys have tracked yeah. or anything? Yeah. I mean, we talked on a little bit, like I do think attacking the number two corner outside that isn't Tariq Woolen is obviously like the weak spot. And then, I mean, yeah, our old pal, Artie Burns, if he's starting in the slot again, you know, I, I would certainly go after that spot, but I'm trying to think otherwise. Like I think they try to disguise and show a lot and maybe that's part of the communication breakdown or, or why there's busted coverage. Like they're top five in sim pressure rate that like they do, they do so much and try to show you so much. They're up there in rotating coverages. Um, and I think it's sometimes when you watch the film, you're wondering like, it's probably helping a lot too, but it also like, is it causing some communication breakdowns or some issues? Um, and then, yeah, I don't know your usual, your classic cover three stuff, like attack the seam, attack the flats. Um, you can get yards after the catch against them. They have a lot of good, uh, a good amount of yards after the contact per uh, rushing attempt. They have a lot of decent amount of yak. So um, yeah, I mean, don't try to force it downfield. So I guess it's a good, a good hypothetical Rudolph game compared to a Trubisky. Like, just take what's there underneath, and, and I think you can rack up some some solid yards after the catch and, and rushing yards after contact. Yeah, the yak stuff was what I was going to mention as well. Um, very different type of team than Cincinnati. You know, they don't necessarily like a lot of the splash plays that happen against them aren't necessarily deep down the field. At least um, Seattle uh, this season, uh, their defensive average depth of target is seven point three yards beyond the line of scrimmage that's near the top of the league or best in the league near the shortest in the league. I don't know if you'd even call it best. If you're getting picked apart underneath, it's not great, but um, Cincinnati, for example, who Pittsburgh just faced uh, has the worst, the highest, the, the deepest, <laughs> the longest average depth of target, 9.6 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Um, so Seattle, Cincinnati is a team that's been giving it up down the field all season. The Steelers took advantage of that. Seattle necessarily hasn't been that type of a lot of explosives, but you mentioned it, the yak, the missed tackles, like this is definitely a team that can get way out over their skis, be too aggressive at times, and have that be used against them in the open field and in space. So something to note, something to watch for. We'll see if Pittsburgh is able to take advantage of it. Pittsburgh notoriously, at least under Canada, we've got a still small sample size here, has not really taken advantage of Yak and has not really generated Yak. A lot of their Yak comes from legit catch and run, like pickings on the slant and things like that opportunities where the defense kind of blows it rather than setting up uh, manufactured touches opportunities for their targets. And so will be something to watch for, for sure on offense for Seattle, Geno Smith and this offense, when they've been healthy and at their best leading or no second, I'm sorry, in the league in no huddle offense this season, almost 16% of the time they've operated from the no huddle. that pace, Brad, I'm worried about it. The Steelers have trouble communicating and they have trouble substituting, and they have trouble getting 11 players on the field to play defense, and they have notoriously over the years under Tomlin had trouble getting players in and out and getting their substitutions, getting in the right personnel in a timely fashion. I am worried that that level of the Seattle is going to be able to expose that lack of attention to detail for Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, no, it's a good shout. We have them uh, top 10 in the NFL in the seconds on the play clock remaining at the time of snap. They do like to move quickly. When trailing, they actually jump up that list as well. Um, they, they are way up there. I mean, you know, you look at how, many, how often they snap it with 20-plus seconds. They're fourth in the NFL. Um, you know, all these things broken down. They, they are going to push tempo, and I think – it makes sense in this matchup for them too. let these pass rushers get gassed, make them have to line, line up quickly and not stand there with their hands and their hips and get ready for the next pass rush rep, but just kind of keep, you know, pushing it at them. Um, they're going to run at them. I mean, they're you know, inside zone, outside zone. It's a heavy zone based scheme. Like they are, and they try to wear you out on defense um, and they have three legitimate receivers. Uh, so they can, you know, two, well, I'm not a huge Charbonnet guy, but Kenneth Walker is a good player. Charbonnet is, is, uh, jumps in at times, uh, but you know, it's, I, I'm a huge Shane Waldron guy and maybe I'm wrong in that. I'm, I'm not going to pretend no. to be an X's and O's genius or scheme guy, but I just like Waldron changes things up on a week to week basis a lot. He's, he, he uses a lot of prior plays to build off it and build concepts off different things and give you looks you've seen before. So you feel confident that what you're going to get, and then it's completely different. Um, I, I've always kind of liked what Shane Waldron's done. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I'm a big Shane Waldron fan. I think what he's done with Geno Smith, the consistency that they've been able to find. They've had a couple injuries this year. I think he's worked around the fact that the offensive line's had a lot of young pieces. They've also had injuries there. Of time they were playing without both their tackles. Um, so he's he's kind of kept this ship upright as much as he possibly can. Uh, but he's leaned into what Geno's done well. And I think you can even say that about Dave Canales in Tampa Bay, who was in Seattle before, and they've both kind of now resurrected, you know, two quarterbacks who were kind of, you know, Baker Mayfield and Geno Smith were kind of thought of as backups outside of the league types. I mean, you know, Baker was barely hanging on there uh, before that stint with the Rams. And so, um, yeah, I, I I do wonder a bit uh, about, um, you know, what Geno Smith will put the ball in harm's way at times, and that can derail things at, a little bit. But there are a few quarterbacks in the league that are better down the field than Geno Smith has been when you talk about 20-plus air yard throws and big-time throws in those portions. I know he's one of the best graded for y'all this season. Um, adjusted accuracy this season for Geno Smith on those throws. He's up over 41% uh, on 20-plus on air yard throws this year. So he has been able to generate something for them in those situations as 22 uh, 20 plus air yard completions this season's just outside the top 10. And obviously Geno Smith missed a couple of games too. So that's worth noting there as well, but he will let it rip. And he's got two guys who are really good at tracking the ball. Actually a couple of guys now, Jackson Smith and Jigba has come on really well too, as a vertical threat um, receiver and DK Metcalf, obviously. I actually don't know if DK Metcalf might be underrated now. Like for a time, I thought after that rookie, everybody was obsessed with how fast and big he was, but he would still drop the ball and fumble and fight people. And he still fights people. I actually think like DK Metcalf has pretty well-rounded game. Like he, people used to say he can only run down the field and catch the ball, but he's so good at it. It matters. He wins on in breakers all the time. He's quick at the top of his route. It's almost like those drills at the combine that everybody was freaking out about. Don't really measure what wide receivers actually do on a football field and the way they actually move uh, because they don't. And so um, I am, I'm a, I'm a pretty big DK Metcalf fan, but having said that, this is a guy you can get in his head and I am very, I'm sure Joey Porter Jr. is going to be trailing with him. This is probably the matchup we want to see. You talk about somebody who has the size, physicality, demeanor to be able to hang with Metcalf can he make enough plays? We'll see. But this is probably the the game within the game that's going to have most people's attention, I would imagine. 
110%. Yeah, I do think you've seen his footwork, like fewer wasted steps, getting in and out of breaks, like, you know, slants, backside digs. Like, I think Gino trusts him more on those routes to get open and, and create some separation too, which I think you saw a little bit of early on, like you said, maybe over-exaggerated because he had a bad three-cone or a short shuttle or whatever. But uh, I think he has rounded out his game. You know, yeah, like you said, Lockett, as good at the catch point as any undersized receiver, late hands, you know, creates subtle separation, all that good stuff. And then JSN in the Titans game was awesome. Like he was running, he was creating crazy separation on posts and, uh, and corners and stuff with just like a lot of nuance to his game and using DB's leverage against them. And like, it, like he's been coming along slowly, but I think you're seeing it, but I want to touch on quickly the, uh, the Geno stuff you talked about. So the last two years now, he has been way up there in terms of downfield passing, but this team, as you mentioned, the offensive line injuries, they have the fifth worst pressure rate allowed in the NFL or us uh, over at PFF, worse than the Steelers. And I think it does show up in two areas where the Steelers could take advantage is on third down, third and fourth down conversion rate. The Seahawks are 28th in the NFL. Pittsburgh's 27th, unsurprisingly there probably. Um, and then 31st in the NFL in red zone conversion rate for touchdowns. Um, I think it's because when they get in some, some second, third and longs, Gino doesn't have time to wait to, to let things develop downfield or even at the intermediate level, uh, because he knows he's going to be under siege. So, like, you can, I think, take advantage of that to a degree. If they're beating on early downs and getting the ball out quickly um, and, and guys are getting open, it's going to be a problem. So, yeah, you need Joey Porter Jr. up up on DK, um, disrupting him, bumping off his routes. But the, the Lockett and JSN matchups uh, concern me, to say the least. Absolutely, they do. Yeah, I mean, if they don't have anybody to cover those guys, if the Seattle is able to use them both uh, to their full potential, there are not that many options for Pittsburgh. Just going back to Metcalf quickly, because I want to talk about this matchup a little bit. Uh, he has been one of the funniest things with Metcalf over the course of his career, because it's exactly how I was in college, is that like big, strong, tall, like uh, this guy can make any contested catch in the book. And sometimes he does. They'll be on stretches where you cannot, you cannot beat him in a contested catch situation. And then there are stretches in which he cannot play the ball in the air. Like it's the funniest thing. And it's just playing his whole career and the numbers kind of back it up. But he has, he started the season one of 13 in contested catch situations. The last four weeks, he's seven of 12. So the guy is just truly all over the place. And we've talked about, you know, some of that is a ball location stat where they're all under the umbrella of contested catches. How many of those are actually more uh, higher percentage to be caught than others like that? We're talking about small sample size, like 25 situations this year out of all the targets and all the routes he runs and everything. It's hard to like be able to say that over the course of a career, a large sample size. I think you could probably say he's a good or bad contested catch receiver. And over the course of his career, he is 44.4%. So it's good. It's not probably as good as you think it would be for, for this guy, but it's still pretty, pretty good. And so, um, yeah, I just I don't know what to what to expect. Uh, he could he could go either way in this next matchup, but it is worth noting that when you see that eight of twenty five this season, thirty two percent career worst contested catch mark for him. While that is true, not much of that has come in the last four weeks where he has been, like I said, seven to twelve, kind of on fire in that area, mossing people, making contested catches. He's kind of locked in right now, uh, if that makes sense. And he is two yards away from his third. 1000 yard season the other two seasons he's still been over nine he's been at 900 or over so this is going to be consistently productive very dynamic player joey porter jr strengths match up with him a lot they also have high potential for a fight dk metcalf is probably one of the most irritable players in the league i would say like you can get under his skin uh, teams try to do it um he also sometimes just 
without even trying to do it, will just fall off and whack somebody. Like he is a very odd, you know, from his disposition demeanor, like he can start stuff at any given moment and Porter is going to welcome that. So I don't know. Like, do you want to put like odds on whether we see a fight between these guys? It's probably decently high. You're going to see some form of after the, after the whistle, like jostling and, and hand fighting. Um, I don't know though. I think DK, maybe the contested catch stuff swinging back in his favor is also settled him down a bit. Although I think he got in a scrap, like not against Tennessee, but the week before maybe. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he plays, he plays with a, <laughs> with intensity. That is, that is, yeah. that is probably the best matchup of the day for so many reasons. Uh, yeah. All right. What, what do you, let's see. I'll give you like three to one odds that he not, it gets ejected, but like, no, but like a pushing he, match. Yeah. Like, pushing match three to one odds on a pushing match. Yeah, I think it? I think it happens. Yeah, <laughs> I think it happens. Probably I right. think it happens. Yeah, I could see it go that way. Um, all right. Uh, any other th- any other thoughts on that? I mean, I think defensively for Pittsburgh, the thing you want to make sure you do is stop the run against Seattle and make them. Well, I don't know. I mean, Pittsburgh's always going to focus on that, whether we think it you know matters more than stopping the pass or not. I think they're always going to try and do that. But Seattle, when they can get to their play action game and all of that stuff, and they feel comfortable with that. It feels like there's kind of another beast when they've got both engines working. Um, and at least with Gino, although I think he's very good, I've mentioned that he will put the ball in harm's way at times, and I think that's worth noting. Pittsburgh's got to be able to t- basically have to make plays like that if they want to win football games. Like They're not good enough to win without creating turnovers. Um, this season, Gino's 20 turnover-worthy plays. I think he's eighth in the league, ninth most in the league, something like that um, this season. So... Yeah, I I do think Pittsburgh's going to have to create some of those situations if they want to be successful. Probably the other matchup worth noting is just you've got uh, Abe Lucas is back, right? Am I right about that? Or is he still? Yeah, he uh, should be. Yeah, Jason Peters, the legend, uh, I think returns to to a backup role. <laughs> so you've got Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, both of whom in their second season uh, for Seattle, who will be facing off against um, against Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt and. That'll be interesting. Cross was my number three overall player in that class. I didn't didn't love the class outside of Sauce and Kyle Hamilton, who were my top two players, but um, he was my third overall player. He was my first tackle. He has been pretty good, I think, uh, for them and has missed some time this year with an injury earlier in the season. Um, but I think it's been pretty reliable overall this season. I've seen Brandon Thorne talk about him a little bit and note that everything's kind of there for him to be a star. Uh, he'll match up against Highsmith. And then uh, you have Abe Lucas on the other side. Last year, some people liked Abe Lucas more. He's only played five games this year. It's not been very pretty. I've actually gotten to see some of his performance. I've kind of caught some of the games that he's played in, and, and Philly was one of them, and I was just like, like, it doesn't look good. He's had some tough matchups too, but I'm not so sure about this one. Like, If Pittsburgh's going to win the game, like this might be a TJ Watt game once again this season. He may have the, the stretch that carries them to the playoffs here uh, if he's able to have one of those dominant – force a couple turnover type performances. It's a great matchup for Watt, no question. Um, yeah, I mean, he, Lucas was good last year. I do feel like people saying he's better than Cross was like a, yeah. you know, one went top 10, one went like what, mid-second or third round. So people it's kind of like a, a hot, a bit of a hot take. Yeah, I, I don't really see it. Um, but I do think when you watch him, like, I don't know if he's the biggest guy, but I think he loses more to like bend around the edge than he does power. So I think it's a good matchup for TJ Watt for sure. Four guys played like four ga- five games this year. He's played Dallas, San Fran, Philly. <laughs> He's played Dallas, San Francisco, and Philly in three of his five games. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. 
<laughs> it was tough. Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, uh, Hassan Reddick, or whoever's over there. His and, first three back from injury. Those are his. Yeah, yeah. that's actually incredible. So, <laughs> and he got destroyed in all of them. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, because the Dallas and Philly ones. I don't think I saw the San Francisco, but Dallas and Philly ones are the ones I caught. And I was like, this guy does not look like he should be out there. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. But yeah, that is going to be a tough one. Seattle's going to have to plan around that one a little bit. Are we ready to get to our little our draft here? We're going to have to go pretty quickly here because we got to wrap up our show in the next 10 minutes. Rip Doing it. this rapid, rapid fire draft. Rapid fire draft. Let's do it, baby. Okay. Am I picking first? I think it's my turn to pick first because we didn't we didn't do one on the over Christmas. No, we did trap. not. We did not. So let's see here. I'm still going to go TJ Watt with my first pick. I'll shout out to lots of talented dudes in Seattle. But yeah, it is my turn to go first, and I will go TJ Watt. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hmm. I'll take DK Metcalf, but I think there's interest like two through like eight, I think is interesting. I'll take DK though. Okay. Yeah. I, I also probably would have taken DK next, I think. Um, and remember, this is no non-quarterbacks for people who are listening for the first time. Non-quarterbacks, we don't take quarterbacks in this, and we also uh don't take players that are injured that are gonna miss this upcoming game. So you would expect still Minka to miss this game at this point. So I I won't include him um, in the draft here. Um, Okay. Seattle. Yeah. Got a lot of good players. These two teams are remarkably similar talent wise. I feel like. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to take just healthy players. I think I'll still take Alex Highsmith next. I think that's the right move. So I don't know if Witherspoon's going to play. He practiced yesterday, but yeah, I think he's, he's an interesting that one. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm taking him now. Just just mm-hmm. a general thought. Um, you got the the pass rushers in Pittsburgh. I will go. I'll take Cam Hayward. I mean, I think he's still the best defensive lineman left yeah. for either team at this point. Um, yeah, I'll take Cam Hayward. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one because you you feel like at some point he's gonna like it's gonna start. He's getting that explosiveness back as a pass rusher, and it's gonna start to look real dangerous again. He's been great against the runs. It's not like he's like looks unhealthy out there. He just doesn't have the same burst off the ball right now. Uh, so we'll see if that returns at some point. Yeah, I mean Leonard Williams is sitting there for me. I could keep going defensive line. I'm a big boy Mafe fan, but I think I am gonna go. Actually, you know he just hasn't played this year, so I think I'm gonna go Joey Porter Jr. instead of Devon Witherspoon, even though I think. Devon Witherspoon has a bet. Like I was higher on Witherspoon coming out. I think Witherspoon's you know going to be very, very good. But just because he has, we haven't seen enough of him. Like he's had two different injuries now he's been dealing with. I'm just going to go with Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. has been asked to do really hard stuff um, since he got into the starting lineup. So And he's done that very, very well. So I'll take him with my third pick. I'm going with an elite hothead duo receiver. Give me George Pickens to pair with DK Metcalf out wide, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That is an incredible pair, no doubt about it. Uh, I'll go Tyler Lockett here. Always been a big fan of Lockett. He may be slowing down a little bit, but I still think he's heck of a player. Can get open with the best of them. So I'll go Tyler Lockett with this pick. Yeah, no, he definitely is. Also, I'm going to take. I'm not going to do it now, but I'm going to take a guy maybe way too early. I'm curious your thoughts on him when I get there. Mm. I'll take Boye Mafe. Uh, you know what? Like it's it's early. It is, but he really has been fun to watch. He's been really really good. Um, give me Boye Mafe. Okay. Yep. There we go. Boy Mafe. Uh to you. We were both four picks in here. My fifth pick, Devin Bush. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I said to make that joke for, for Steelers fans. Artie Burns. <laughs> yeah, still a lot of Steelers legends. Uh first round pick legends on this. On yeah, some some real Steeler busts. Is Jarvis Jones in here? <laughs> 
Did they sign uh yeah, uh what's his name? The safety? I'm blanking now on his name. Titans. Tra- Tra- Titans safety. Yeah, Tra- yeah. Troll Tra- Evans next. Yeah. He got traded to the Titans, didn't he? I think yeah, is he, he still there or did they cut him? No, he's still there. He's still there. Uh he was starting for the Steelers right now. So true. Absolutely. I'll take Leonard Williams here. Still yeah, a good a player. Pick. Like maybe yep. he's never been like the elite, 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 but he's been a good player his whole career. Oh yeah, for sure. No, no doubt about that. Um, I'll take Jeremiah Jones. He's an incomplete. I always loved him coming out of college. He just is not good against the run, but he, he's a fun interior pass rusher. You can line him up like really all over three, four, I, whatever. Uh, he finds a way to win. So I'll take Draymond. Interesting. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Draymond is one. I just, now. Nah, he is such a frustrating player to watch. Yeah, he is. <laughs> it's like, you watch him against the run. You're like, does this guy even know what he's doing? Like, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know either. Um, we're going a lot of Seah- Seahawks here, and I get it. Uh, I definitely get it. I think I'm going to continue that trend, and I'm going to go with Quandre Dix. Uh, he's, I think, a real playmaker at the position, and he's been a vocal leader for them. I, I'm a big fan, and I think that uh, he doesn't get much love around the league, so uh, I'm going to go with Quandre Dix. Like Deontay Johnson. Oh, there we go. He was going to be my next pick, probably. Are we kind of running dry on Steelers now? Like, who's the next yeah. Steeler to come off the board? That's a good question. I mean, Broderick's not playing like it right now. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling guards, I guess, or running backs, maybe you'd have some options. Or our guy, our king. He hasn't been taken yet. Keanu Benton, you said? Or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you feel like guys who don't get to play aren't allowed to play. <laughs> um, Yeah, we've gone Benton pretty high in some other situations. Uh, man, it's hilarious that J- Jamal Adams has, like, no prayer of getting drafted by either of us. In this. Zero. Zero. Absolutely. A disaster trade. I'm going to go Devon Witherspoon here. I, I'm still, I'm a believer. I feel good about this secondary right now. I feel good about my defense, my offense. Yeah. Yeah. I know, right? I'll take, it might be the only OL well taken. Maybe we'll get, actually, no, it's a lie. It's a lie. We'll get some guards flying off, I'm sure, later, but I'll take uh, Charles Cross. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder when Charles Cross would come off the board, but he is, he is a good player. I do think he's, year three is going to be a good one for him, I think. I feel. Feel strongly about that. Um, okay, we're running out. Of, we run out of Seahawks to take here. I like Julian Love. I like Tariq Woolen. I'd like to see it over. I know people said Woolen was good last year, and he was, but he also gives up a ton. Like he's he's kind of an he's like the the year Trevon Diggs broke out, and everybody's like, oh, Trevon Diggs, all these picks, but then he was also giving up like a thousand yards. Like so, like oh man, um, that's a little bit how I see Woolen at this point. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the running back battle, we're almost. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take Jackson Smith and Jigba here. Yeah, I, I was gonna say he's, he's my yeah. wife's year one, so I need to stand by that. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, he was you my gotta one. do it. You gotta do it. We'll Quentin he was my one. Quentin Johnson was my two. We'll see how it goes. JSN's coming on. Johnson's flashed. I, people get people get a little bit too down on some rookies when they struggle. I think these days it's like all right, look, give him a chance. Like Jameson Williams looks like he's coming on. He was worse than John. He couldn't even get out of the field. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, it's true. It's it's funny. We always talk about how it's like. This guy's gonna take a couple of years, and then six yeah. games in, we're like, "This guy sucks. Yeah. What's the deal?" Right? <laughs> like when well, we said he's gonna right. take a couple yeah. years, the entire draft process. Um, right. All right, I'll do it. I'll pull the trigger. And I know we're rushing, but quickly, your thoughts. I was watching free agent film. A guy that to me was better than I thought he was gonna be, Damian Lewis, the guard. I think is a kind of a stud. Yeah, Damian Lewis. I liked him a lot coming out of LSU, um, and then I know his rookie year, real good on the run, real bad in pass protection. I watched a couple games to see how he was doing. And then I haven't really tracked him much uh, since then. So glad that he is uh, looking pretty good. Um, 
I will match you with another guard. I will go James Daniels. How many? Where, where are we at now? So we have, I think I have, I think you have two left. I have one left. Okay. I'll take, Tariq Wollin is still available, right? Yep. I'll take Tariq Wollin. Okay. Take Reek Wollin. Yeah, Reek. Officially just Reek now. Is he officially, is it a, a true I think on NFL.com it's just R-I-Q Wollin, yeah. <laughs> Which I love, just Reek. Yeah, I do too, actually. Yeah, R-I-Q here on uh, our, la- yeah. our, our lads. Um. Oh, boy. Sheesh. Uh, gosh, should I take a Steeler to finish this? I got to take Ben. Yeah, I'm going to take Ben to finish it. Yeah, Keanu's got to go. I was going to say. still awesome. He just won't play him. It's not, you know, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not his fault. I thought he was so good in that pass. I mentioned on the show, I thought he was so good in that pass game. Um, nice. As good as 20 snaps as you'll get. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll take Kenneth Walker. I get, we'll get one running back on the board. I'll take KW3. Okay. Wow. Walker over Warren, huh? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I've, I've probably gone, it was between Warren and Ben for me. Interesting. All right. I like Kenneth Walker for sure. He's funny. All Seattle Twitter's like, Wants to kill him when he because he like will miss the hole sometimes. Oh, but yeah. he also breaks hat like he runs hard. He's the tough guy. The hard, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's fun. Uh, he was good in college too. Like pe- people didn't really talk about him much coming out, but I really liked him. That running back class was like Brees Hall. I really like Brees Hall coming out. Um, I also like the who was the Texas A and M back that year. Ooh, the year before he went to the H-N. Chargers. Spiller. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, CJ. No, Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller. Not not Isaiah CJ Spiller. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't work out. <laughs> no, that is not. That's not. Clown play player of the week. What do you think? Ooh, I'll go with Abe Lucas. <laughs> We're always picking a tackle across from TJ Watt or Dan. Yeah, Moore. true, true. <laughs> Interesting. I I'm gonna go with Metcalf. He has some big drop. I think. Okay. I'll go. With, I'll, okay. Go, I'll go with a good player and really buck the track. I respect that. I respect that. Um, you're right. I got to. I got to make it more complicated than just picking TJ Watts matchup. Um, I think Diggs has a pick. Wander Diggs. He's getting Wander Diggs. Yeah, I'm going to that. Yeah, yeah, that that would make sense. All right, splash play player of the game. I guess you can't pick Watt, huh? <laughs> can't pick Watt. No, I'll go with. We don't even know he's playing, but you drafted him, so he's on the board. I'll go Devin Witherspoon. I think if he does play, he's going to get like a sack or a pick yeah. or a tackle for loss, something like that. Yeah. Cool. Um, do we want to pick who win this game? We don't usually do that because I know. <laughs> good luck, but it's it's in Pittsburgh, right? It is. That's a good question, actually. Um, I actually don't know off the top of my head. It is in Seattle, actually. Oh, West Coast. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm taking the Seahawks. <laughs> I honestly think it would have yeah. swung. Like, I think it's gonna be a fairly close game. I really do. Um. Because I just, as much as I look, I love Seattle coming in. Like, I'm still waiting on the, my biggest future of the year was over eight and a half wins. So, you know who I'm rooting for in this game. Uh, they're what, eight and seven? Uh, but yeah, but uh, I think it's going to be close, but I'll, I'll take like 23 20 Seattle. Seattle's the profile of a team that could just give the Steelers one. And so that like gives me some pause. But Seattle is just better like than Pittsburgh. Like, they just yeah. are, and they're better quarterback and they're better coach and they've got a better culture. Like, yeah, I mean, it's possible they could get upset. Um, as every team in the league basically has at some point this season, it's possible the cards could fall right for Pittsburgh. But especially when you consider that it looks like it's going to be Mason Rudolph out there, and although I don't think he or Pickett are very good, I probably have less faith than Rudolph having like a, a better performance than he did in the last game he played in than I would in Pickett coming out and having pretty similar performance to what Rudolph did. 
So, yeah, I just I, I think Seattle's going to win. I mean, it's definitely possible that Pittsburgh wins. It wouldn't shock me if it happens just because of how these things go. Um, <laughs> I know no, that's a like real bad analysis, but it just – No, I agree. No, like, I think we say it sometimes. We're like, we think they're going to win. They're going to lose. Like this one, no outcome would shock me. The Bengals round two wouldn't shock me, and losing by like twenty also wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it's uh, these are two teams that definitely deserve each other. So, yeah. all right, so we'll be back next week on the show to kind of break down this matchup and how it went, as we always do. And we'll get back to the tape for that one, and then we'll look at the playoff picture too. We'll keep you monitored and updated on that too. So until then, thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the Gins No Ball Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.